Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. That's what we're here for, you guys. We're here to try and make it better. And hopefully we're going to make, we're making it better, not just for us, uh, but for the people around us, for the people we care about and for which are the people that God cares about. Um, as a matter of fact, that's, that's the way it should go. We, we, we should be, uh, more into the lives of others than than ourselves, and uh, and and seeking their happiness and their joy, because if we really want joy, that's really where it's going to come from. Uh, and we've been hearing about that uh, as Jesus has been talking about about it in in his Sermon on the Mount, which we've been spending a lot of time with in the last few weeks. And uh, uh, one passage in particular is where Jesus talks about uh, following him, about, about uh, being in his love, and that, that he wants that for us because he knows that our joy will be great. And, um, and, and so you have to get the impression that Joy comes out of loving. Joy comes out of of having God love through you. And um, so it, it's not one of those things you can go out and seek for. In fact, when you seek for happiness, it's probably the last thing you're going to find. And uh, uh, happiness and joy comes on the heels of, of other things that are much more important. So we are, um, we're learning from Jesus. And we, we're learning from the red letters. We've been doing this for a number of weeks. And uh, we've, we've had some interesting discussions. We've had some very interesting guests to talk about this. Um, tonight is no, no exception. Tonight we have, we have a guest who, um, a couple guys that I have gotten to know really only in the last uh, couple months because they're, well, if they were around for a while, I didn't know it. They're, they're, they're new to us, but, but um, I'm not even sure quite how it happened, but uh, we had Tom Gilbert on our show when we were talking about 12 Steps. And we had Tom on because he had been uh, 27 years sober. And uh, he was a great guest to talk from that perspective to us. And now we have Tom's brother, Doug. And Doug has a very interesting history. He's been a Catholic missionary priest in Liberia, West Africa, 
he's had some incredible experiences in the mission field, some touches with danger and with death. He has seen and experienced uh, death uh, in horrible ways. Uh, uh, he'll tell you about um, uh, uh, some assassination of nuns that um, that he knew that are part of this civil war that was going on. I wanted to have Doug on to tell us a little bit about his story and then to talk about this thing we've been embroiled in for about a week now, and that's discussing the whole idea of, you know, Jesus says non-resistance, turn the other cheek. If they force you to go one mile, go two. If he, if he takes your shirt, give him your coat too. Um, pray for those who persecute you. Return good for evil, not evil for evil. And uh, in the context of uh, what is happening in our country right now and in the shootings that have been happening in schools and, ch- and even in churches, it's hard to know as a follower of Jesus how to react to this. It's not an easy question. And so we hope to maybe get into that a little bit as we hear some of Doug's story, but that'll come later. We just want to meet him first and hear a little bit about some of his uh, experiences in the mission field. So uh, Doug, welcome to blog talk radio. Thanks, John. Um, they want me to tell you just a little bit about kind of the background and some of the work that I've done. And, yeah. I'd okay. love to have you do that. Yes. Great. So I've worked with a, a group called the Society of African Missions, or SMA. And uh, SMA uh, was an organization that was founded to serve the poorest of the poor, the most abandoned peoples. And uh, so they would go to the places that no one else would go to. And then initially that was because of the sickness that uh, um, the white man's graves, as they called it in those days, in, in West Africa, and the disease that was there. So the founder and all the people that went with him, they went to, to you know, to establish and to work and to learn, but none of them survived in uh, more than about six months. And then the next group that came out, they all passed away as well. But eventually um, the... the uh, core group stayed and really missionary work is about going and returning it's not just going and maybe going and doing good things but we go in order to proclaim the word and then we come back changed ourselves because it's really it's a two-way street and uh, so what i found Mm. my experience was quite the same right so i went out and did some things but really came back changed person and there's a lot of different things than my experience that uh allowed that to happen so um, perhaps I can tell a few of them Um, one of them was that I worked with uh, a leper colony and that was by accident in one sense one of the uh, other missionaries was leaving and uh, he had been working with this little leper colony in the middle middle of the jungle and asked me if I could help out since he was leaving and so I did and my experience with those people was that they taught me what it was to be fully human and fully alive, even though they were like missing fingers, toes, and you know they were they had this this illness. Um, but they showed me what it meant to just be with people and just to 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 accept 
um, people uh, as as just you know human, um, and so I was mm. turned changed by that. So, um, and we built some great things. Uh, we're able to get them to have a agricultural uh, project. Um, I'm usually pretty good, not too good with farming, but I was able to get a hold of some Peace Corps people and resources and. They themselves learned how to build their own farm, and they were so proud of it. Um, they made were able to raise chickens and fish and all sorts of uh, garden things. And you know that was for me an, an experience of seeing how they became from kind of beat down, were actually raised up, and they were so proud of what they did. So, mm. so I was able to bring wow. that back. And you uh, told me that time, you told me that. You told me that story, Doug, when we were together. And um, what I was amazed about was the fact that that you just went out and found people. I mean, this apparently, uh, were you under the auspices of any group at this point? Or was this just... Just just, just the uh, group that I was with, the SMAs, so they, you know, they dropped us over there and we had places. So I had a parish, uh, my own church where I I Uh worked. And then this particular one was... uh, uh, what they might say is other duties as assigned, right? So the people needed some help, and I so I would jump in there. And since I was able to find, I knew some Peace Corps people that had skills. One was a surveyor, another knew how to make fish ponds, another knew how to do animal husbandry. So they got together, and we all you know, pitched in, and the people did the work themselves. And uh, we, uh, we built this thing, and I remember the feeling was they were so proud because there was a school um, for agriculture in the capital, and they sent their students out to this farm later on for the lepers, the one that they had built, and it became a, like a demonstration mm-hmm. farm. And, and leprosy is really ninety wow. percent social, right? It's, it's uh, ostracization, and only about ten percent medical. You, it's really hard to get leprosy, especially these people had been taking the medicine, so they weren't contagious or anything. But they were so proud, and they said. Uh, you know, you see, we people, we did this. And uh, I thought, man, if all of this mm-hmm. went away that night, uh, then it was worth it, even if it was just for that day. And, you know, they they showed, mm-hmm. you know, what people who are down to earth, you know, we're all human. We all need to to have certain things. But they, they really taught, you know, the most basic things I found were, you know, rule, we live in a, a very uh, complicated, you know, culture. For them, it was life and death, good and evil. I mean, it was just basic things. And, uh, you know, to see, mm. to celebrate with them. They love to celebrate. The people in Africa, you know, we hear lots of stories. We hear stories about the wars, but they're, but they are, you know, the ones that I met and the ones I worked with for so long are very peaceful people. Most of them very peaceful. And unfortunately, we got caught up in a civil mm. war. Um, but they would, you know, when the full moon was out, they would dance all night, and they would just, you know, enjoy ah. life. And they would, uh, they would rejoice when somebody, when when we bought, uh, we I bought a little refrigerator for the Bush Village and where where I stayed. I actually bought it for myself. But all the people came in, you know, from the various villages to tell me thank you, and that was because I brought them something in terms of their town that. You know they didn't have because <laughs> I figured they all they all want to put their water or something in it, but uh, they just celebrated simple things. So um, lots of good wow. experiences, and uh, you know they had some hard ones as well. Um, one of the things that uh, um, 
I remember going through was the, in, in terms of uh, they had this uh, civil war, and we, we talked about that a, little, you know, a while back. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Liberia has uh, a lot of different tribes in it, and uh, ended up that one tribe got in charge and then started persecuting the other tribes, and then the other tribes tried to come in back and remove that. So it was a civil war by an ethnic mm-hmm. kind of version of it. And uh, so a lot of innocent people were caught up in that. But when we look at faith and what that means, uh, I really, you know, more from actually hearing stories of it, I saw, you know, some of my own. But there was one ex- uh, example of a, a checkpoint. So the checkpoints were used to separate out the people from the ethnic tribes. And, and you know, if, if one particular tribe was in charge of that checkpoint, they would try to pull aside the people from another uh, tribe that they didn't like, and many of them were singled out to be executed. And there was a story about a, a woman wow. who was singled out, and she was uh, she was holding her Bible, and they told her they were going to they were going to execute her, and, and they told her she needed to put the Bible down. And she said, "No, I'm not going to do that. If you want to kill me, you must kill me with my Bible." And they said, "No, no, you you have to put the Bible down." She said, "No, you want to kill me, you kill me with my Bible." And they went back and forth. They didn't kill her. And so there's an example maybe when the word was more powerful than anything else. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. So courage is fear that says its prayers. Um, you know, that's for me something I learned. Mm-hmm. And um, we had uh, during this, so we had peaceful times and then we had this war and there were a couple of phases of it. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the sisters. So there were sisters, five nuns from the uh, Adorers of the Blood of Christ, ASC. It's from the Latin. And uh, they were from Ruma, Illinois. And they had stayed. Um, we had, uh, they had been in, in a previous uh, evacuation and had come and left. Uh, but then they decided to, to stay the second time. And uh, so, um, I tried to talk him, you know, to come to leave because I said it's time to leave. This time it seemed like it was a different type of war from the previous time. But they they decided to stay and they were giving out water uh, to the, all the refugees. And then, unfortunately, they gave their lives, uh, but they decided to mm. to stay with the people. So. Uh, and 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 why why would their lives have been taken? What what was the point? So the war. Um, things became confused in the first phase of it. Missionaries, I mean, we were there just to help the people. We built schools and clinics. Yeah. And and so we were pretty well, you know, the people liked us. I mean, we taught their children. Um, but what happened was somehow during the war, um, there were sides being taken and I think there was already a peace treaty that was occurring and trying to get one particular tribe wanted to get back in again and there was peace troops uh, from the West African nations it was called ECOMOG the Economic Community of West Africa so they sent their military group uh, in and uh, the one rebel group wanted to take over and so the some church leaders had been um, supporting this interim government, and then they, uh, they, this rebel group put the kind of the word out or made it seem that the uh, um, missionaries mm. were now spies. So they were like CIA or just spies. Oh, the government. So okay. They turned. And a lot of people that were in there were on drugs, so there was ah. you know, a lot of just you know random violence. So. Mm. One of wow. the things I did want to bring up was the uh, 
So there was a time in which I was in my own parish, a town called Pipeline, and it was outside the uh, outside of the ring of these peacekeeping troops. So I was really kind of in the no man's land. And there were there was a parish out there. It was called Pipeline because there was a water pipeline that was running under the road. And then uh, there was also a a little hospital. It was originally a hospital for polio, so it still had problems. This you know, West African country had all sorts of still, you know, medical problems, including mm. including polio. Mm-hmm. So they had a hospital to help children with uh, braces for their legs and, uh, you know, be able mm-hmm. to re- rehabilitate them. But this, unfortunately, in the war, a lot of atrocities occurred, and uh, many people, the rebels, would uh, would take off the arms and legs of innocent people. Mm. A lot of children had lost arms and legs, and these mm. sisters who ran the hospital were helping them and getting them prosthetics and so anyway, that hospital was right next to where I was. And then one evening or one night, I was woken up in the middle of the night, and there was a uh, somebody from the parish was calling and saying, they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you as like the pastor. And so it was a rebel attack, and they were down the road. And so I said, okay, well, I'll go. She said, you have to leave now. She was yelling. And uh, so I went mm-hmm. next door and told the sisters, I said, hey, these rebels are coming. And I could hear them. I could hear them in the, in the distance and all the commotion. And they calmly told me that they didn't have any transport for these children who couldn't walk on their own and couldn't carry them, so they were going to stay. So I was left in this situation to say, okay, I'll stay too. I don't know what I can do, but I'll stay. I'll stand inside. We had a big wall around our compound that wouldn't keep the soldiers out, but I was in between the wall and the hospital. And I remember these um, children, I remembered, and I think this may be the reason why you know what what followed afterwards when i had had services for at the at that hospital the little children they they blew me away they used to pray for their the people who had wounded them they prayed that you know that they would put their wow. guns down they prayed that god would forgive them and that they would you know become you know back to normal again these are kids that mm. have been wounded for life and I thought that evening, maybe afterwards, when these, all these these rebels were coming, um, they came close. They came pretty close, and then they turned down the side road to another place. So they never ended up attacking. And I thought it's these children, you know, that they are praying, and their prayers. Mm-hmm. Are, God hears the prayers of little children, but for whatever reason, they didn't come. But for me, that was a what's called a limit situation because it, there's nothing more you can mm-hmm. do. You, Okay, I'm going to stay. And then uh, when we reach the end of our abilities, we have to turn it over. And, you know, that's uh, life yeah. is different after that. So, oh, my gosh. Was there ever was there ever any talk about um, uh, any kind of resistance, like uh, making sure that we have somebody here with some guns or we can, you know, we can protect ourselves? Any any of that go on, or so were you I, I totally even, even in my compound where I was, I I I had um, so there were many splinter rebel groups, some failed rebel groups because you know they would fight and then they would lose uh-huh. and then they would kind of disintegrate. So I actually had rebels that were my guards. Um, they were unarmed except with like machetes, and they were in the compound and they were more to keep the. Uh, there were a lot of. Uh, robbers uh, that were out in that kind of no man's land so uh, so they were there and I and I so I had people who had at least machetes and I remember when I went over 
and I said, I'm staying, because originally I was going over to you know, try to get them to leave. And I told the, the guards, I said, okay, I'm staying. I don't know what you want to do. You're free to do what you want. You can stay with me or you can go. And they all ran away. And they, had, <laughs> they were afraid of the – they only had machetes, mm-hmm. and these other guys had you know, machine guns. So, uh, But, mm-hmm. you know, so there were times mm-hmm. in which, uh, you know, you would stand up, um, but we didn't have weapons. We were definitely there for the peaceful purpose. Mm-hmm. And, so you were staying – and you had no idea whether you were going to see another day. Correct. I mean, and it wasn't until afterwards. And of course, now uh-huh. seeing it in perspective, coming back, and you know, I'm, I'm laicized now, so I'm, I'm no longer an active priest. I'm married, have a son, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, working in the commercial world. So times when I've experienced a job loss, you know, if you get fired, that's nothing compared to, you know. <laughs> that what I just spoke about it puts things in perspective, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A trust in God. Yeah, you were, you wrote a song about that, didn't you? I did. Stay about yeah. staying. Can you yes. can you tell us the lyric to that song again? Sure. Now that I understand more of the situation, I'd love to hear it again. Sure, it's uh, so written in that perspective, uh, in terms of the time in which I mean, because my natural instinct would be to run. Um, you either fight right. or, you, or you run, but to stay is, is a hard thing, right? So it says, when my walls fall down and the enemy attacks, I will not turn around. I can never look back. Stay. I will stay. I will not run away. I will stand. I will not hide. You're here by my side. I will stay. You have given me grace, a shield for my soul. You have given me faith. It's the sword that I hold. And then back to the stay is the, the chorus. And then as the battle rages and friends disappear, you'll make me courageous. Your love casts out fear. Back to the chorus. And then when the ending mm. has come, when the fighting is done, I'll not be overrun. The battle will be won. Stay. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Well, you certainly uh, you certainly know what those words mean, <laughs> do. And, and and experience them in a very in a very real way. And it seems to me, I what, what I love is what that does for. Our, I mean, and that's true trust. At that point, it's just yeah. your faith in the Lord that, that's the only thing that's holding you together. Yes, and, it's abandoned. And right? whatever. Yeah, and whatever he chooses is is up to him, right? I mean, Correct. it could have gone the other way. Yep, it and could been, it could have been one and, more person. So. Yeah, and and that that would have been his will and something that you you uh, submitted yourself to. Right, and you know, for um, my part, I, I really didn't do much of anything. There was that particular experience, and there were times in which we mm-hmm. there were a couple times when I face down gun barrels and you know I tended to use humor more than uh, uh, anything else it was one time when I was at a checkpoint and the man said I want he's a young man almost a boy you know I want you to give me money and I said I don't have any money and he cocked his gun and put it up to my head 
And I said, look. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a skinny guy, so I just said, look, you see how dry I am, which is kind of the term for skinny. I said, if I, was, if I had money, I would use it to buy food for myself. I said, how would I do it? I just started laughing. <laughs> he started laughing, and then he just let me go. So I could have gone another direction, I guess. So another one of yeah. my uh, coworkers, uh, he would have been one of the ones that really – you know, took the gospel to heart. He was at another one of those checkpoints, and uh, he was with uh, walking with a, a woman and her children. She happened to be from the wrong tribe. She got singled out for execution, and he said to to the people, he said, "She's with me." And they said, "No, no, you don't get involved in this." He said, "No, she's with me. If she's going, I'm going." And they backed down again. Same thing. So, but that was that took a, a lot really? of courage to, to say that. So. So, I mean, wow. my story is small, but there were so many people that, and so many Liberians that were very, you know, they were very courageous. So God gives us strength in times, and we don't know what mm-hmm. to say, but we know that we're just called to be faithful, right? And then things happen. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you follow what's going on now? I mean, uh, what are things like there now? A little bit. Um, they unfortunately had the better the Ebola. They had the whole Ebola crisis after they had peace, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. really kind of devastated. But uh, you know, it's uh, the problem is the war went on a very long time, and so there were children who were already teenagers who knew nothing but war, and we find that in other parts of the world as well. It's hard to teach mm-hmm. them if there's an alternative, if there is peaceful time. It was the older people who knew about the peace. Well, so it's still going on. Yeah, the P, it's pretty peaceful, but there are still elements of you know factions that that you know will mm-hmm. from time to time rise up. So you would think you know we we would think that once you've had a big war, you would try to have peace again. But it's it's difficult. It's very complicated, and the warlords are not there to bring freedom to the people. They're there to make money. They try to get the resources there's even in a very poor country wow. I found there were a lot of resources that they could make money on so wow it becomes kind of their 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 work it becomes their field of yeah. that's all they yeah. do, that's all they know to do yes and there were mm-hmm. cases where companies were helping one war, one warlord or another by giving them shelter within mm-hmm. the plantations where they were and they ended up being staging grounds for other attacks. So there were, you know, the international community was wow. at an uproar of, over some of the, some of this complicity. Yeah. You know, where you would hope it would just be, you know, neutral, but it's, it's hard. You know, they wanted to be able mm-hmm. to get their mm-hmm. product to a seaport, and that rebel community owned owned one of the seaports, and so they made a deal with them and let them barracks and use their resources and trucks mm-hmm. and all this. So yeah, yeah. Well, Doug, um, let's talk. Uh, uh, actually, this has been really fascinating, uh, and we, we, believe it or not, we, we only have a few minutes left. But um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about this country and what what we're facing here with um, obviously a different type of situation, but we're still facing violence and uh, we're facing those who can use uh, 
use power over us. And uh, we have to decide, you know, do, what do the do we take the words of Jesus literally here? Um, what what's your opinion um, about this? Or is there a place for, uh, you know, like a number of churches? I know now are are arming themselves. You know they'll have six or so people. You know spread around the congregation who are prepared to return fire. Some nutcase comes in and starts shooting them up. Um, what do we do? You know, is that that seems to make a lot of sense to a lot of people? Um, and maybe it's maybe it, maybe it's right, but. Um, I have a hard time squaring that away with with what Jesus talks about. So, right. what what are your feelings about this? Do you do you have any? I do. For for myself, it would be. I think, you know, if I'm in that situation, if I see an attacker, I mean, I won't have a weapon, but I will. I I will not run. I mean, I would hope I would not run. I would hope to, that I could help others to get away. But I think I would be one of the ones that would try to go in. But that's something that happens at the moment. You know, you don't have any time to think about it. But the, yeah. the instinct, I believe, would be to try to go and tackle the person or do something to deflect them to gain time. But you know, it, when we have, mm-hmm. you know, so not not just to let something happen. Um, I think there's prudence. I think, uh, but you know, the bottom line, mm. the most important one is that you know, love is the most important. And so if we're doing this not for love, then if we're just and if we're relying only on ourselves, then I think we're making a mistake. So there's prudence and there's mm-hmm. there's you know, we see it now. We have police officers all around at various community events. Uh, we have um you know, live I live we live near Washington D C. If we go in when they're having big parades, mm-hmm. they now have big dump trucks across the roads, this, this, the side roads, so that people won't come in and attack that way. But in terms of like our own, you know, presence of it, uh, you know, we just have to. Um, the most important is to trust in God, right? And, and the power of love will convert. And then somewhere in between is going to be the where we need to, you know, defend if, at least to try to physically stop somebody. Would I carry a gun mm-hmm. into church? I, I myself would not do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you? Uh, how should we feel? What What should we feel towards towards the shooters in situations like this? Uh, so many of the shooters, and I'm thinking especially of these young people, right? That uh, mm-hmm. what they're doing is horrendous, but what they need is compassion. And I think our culture wants to provide, in many cases, condemnation, right? So when I think mm-hmm. of you know, each, almost every one of them, the cases of those, the, the, child, the child shooters, right? They're coming from a troubled mm-hmm. home, they're coming from a troubled situation. Mm-hmm. What they need is to be able, if possible, right? We need to be proactive before it happens and deal with these things. Um, but we're, mm-hmm. I think we're paying the price. Maybe the sins of the fathers are visited against their children when um, a lot of this is, is, you know, it's our culture. Um, but I think when these things happen, these these people to to the extent you know you love the sinner you hate the sin I think that's kind of where I would be with it. Yeah, yeah. So really, um, would you say it really comes down to who we're trusting? Are, are we trusting our 
self-defense? Are we trusting our guns or are we trusting the Lord, ultimately trusting the Lord? Yeah. Go back to the Old Testament and and, and see, did they trust, you know, mm -hmm. didn't they trust in themselves or did they trust in God? They had weapons too, but they trusted, you know, when they were victorious, Mm -hmm. they trusted in God. Right. Right. Well, this is good. This is good. I'm glad that I'm glad that you stayed, and I'm glad that you came home. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and now uh, I try I'm to spend the, the mission work. The return side is to do music, so I try to uh, help work with, with the homeless. We've talked about that a little oh, before. Oh yeah. You know, tell tell me just just in the last couple of minutes. We'll, we can go just a little bit longer. Uh, tell our listeners what you're doing now with. Uh, with the homeless and with the music. I think this is fascinating. So uh, music is really an international language, you know, and, and, and it uh, certainly with the homeless it is a key to building some trust. And so um, I try to work with them, learning what groups are out there to try to bond and, and, and network with them. Specifically, I write some songs that are related to the homelessness and, and, and dealing with uh, hope in the midst of that. And I have... Uh, started to rebuild old stringed instruments, guitars, ukuleles, I have a double bass, and I'll fix those up. And I won't just give them to the homeless, but we try to work it in a way that uh, um, try to get the person into a program where they have shelter. But then the musical instrument is a way that we can I can try to either play music with them or they can use uh, the instrument to, to bring joy to themselves and maybe to make a little money too. So, uh, so it basically creates a relationship. It does. Right. Yeah, playing music together with someone is a, is a bonding experience. Yeah. So that's just so starting and, out and to do more of it. So. Yeah. And how's it how's it working so far? So, so far, so good. I mean, I I, I see people and, and meet with them, uh, and uh, you know, the music is something you have a long background with. It. That's why I'm so excited that you have the, the new mm-hmm. radio that you're starting. Um, I think mm-hmm. that the uh, this is one of the ways that we can change the world is to to get back to the core basics and, and music is one of them. It's a language, so language of love. So. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Well, Doug, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And um, thank you for sharing just a little bit of your experience. And, uh, this has been great. great. And I look great. forward to getting to know you better and, Maybe we can help some, you know, let us know how we can help with with your ongoing ministry. And I know you're going to be uh, uh, helping us here in the future in uh, some of the things we're doing, too. So I'm really excited Wonderful. about looking forward to that, too, into relationship. OK, Doug, that, thank that, you so it. much. God bless. OK, God bless. Bye bye. Bye now. How was that? That was cool. That was wonderful. Um, boy, what an experience to have, uh, have, have been through. Um, it's trust. I think that's, that's the, that's the end result. The, the key is in the Lord fully. And, uh, and then are we extending love and compassion towards those who are even doing evil 
that's that's where I think Christians can truly make a difference in the marketplace out in the world where these things are happening to have a different reaction to people and to see what can happen and see lives change as a result of being loved and as a result of someone extending forgiveness, extending compassion. There's incredible opportunity uh, out there to, to, to make a mark because we're doing it differently. We're following Jesus and we're following the red letters. We're following what Jesus wants us to do. And so uh, this could be, could be exciting. It's, it's scary. It's a scary world, but it's an incredible opportunity for those who believe to be vulnerable and yet to be trusting. And like Doug says, we stay, even when it gets dangerous, you stay because the people need you. And we stay in the world. God left us in the world. He says, Father, I ask not that you remove them from the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he wants us. He, he told us to stay. He wants us here. And, uh, and yet he will, he will protect us. We've got to ultimately place our ultimate trust in him and not in guns or missiles or anything else that, uh, that we might use for our own defense. Um, okay, you guys, this has been great. Um, join us next week keep up with these I love Block Talk Radio I hope you're enjoying it too and learning from the experience God bless you uh, keep studying keep looking at those red letters yeah